From the KLYT Broadcast Studio, this is ABQ Connect. Your input on today's topic is important to us. Join in the conversation by calling 505-338-5790 or text 505-585-LIVE. ABQ Connect. Well, thanks for joining us on this uh, little breezy, cooler Thursday. Kind of, you know, it's fall. And I already said it a couple of times. We, we, we did the whole summer then winter now fall uh and uh, things actually expected to cool off a, a little bit uh but heat up on the unm campus today uh apparently uh, uh some uh, protests or what, whatever you want to call it is happening on the campus uh and uh, more than anything I, w- I would tell you uh j- just an a, an area if, if i had any business around that area today i would just probably avoid it and and pick another day to be down near uh, the university who knows uh, uh what uh, what'll what'll happen there uh with uh, what's going on so anyway i uh, do want to remind you about something we have planned for a week from today uh we will be over on the west side calvary west side coors and montano uh and uh, actually what's happening is calvary west side is reaching out to their community inviting them to the campus for a free lunch uh, Pastor Gabriel, one of the assistant pastors there, is going to be uh, barbecuing and probably be hot dogs, hamburgers, stuff like that. Uh, just kind of reaching out to the community. And uh, when I heard about it, I well, you know, I thought, what what a great opportunity to get out with ABQ Connect and connect in the community. Uh, we'll be out there uh, for a live remote, and you'll hear ABQ Connect broadcast live from Calvary West Side. You'll have a chance to to meet the West Side staff, uh, but uh, most of the hour spent uh, interviewing. Henry Lozano, if you're not familiar with Henry, uh, he has ties to New Mexico, grew, grew up uh, in Southern California uh, in the Imperial Valley, and uh, yeah, uh, his dad uh, overseeing a lot of the migrant uh, workers there uh, uh, agriculturally. Uh, and then he got involved in drug trade, uh, was arrested, went to prison, uh, found Christ, and became an advocate uh, for recovering addicts. Uh, and then went on to serve in the White House. So he's got quite a testimony and story. Uh, we're going to walk through that with him. Uh, it's all part, you know, content from his new book, Borderlands. Uh, and uh, Brian Nixon's going to join us for that, too. He was involved with that project. Uh, so make sure to tune in, uh, well, every day at 1 o'clock for ABQ Connect. But next week, uh, Thursday, that live remote. Looking forward to it. The details about the remote are on the web at klyt.fm slash events all right and then tomorrow on abq connect uh with uh, you know what's going on at unm today we're going to be talking about uh anti-semitism and uh, what's going on on college campuses uh with uh, heritage foundation genevieve wood will be joining us and of course tomorrow our friday financial update with brian cochran as well so lots of stuff planned and uh the plan for this full hour today uh catching up with paul guessing from the Rio Grande Foundation. Paul's in studio, and as always, Paul, thanks so much for uh, not only your time here in studio with us on a monthly basis, uh, but uh, all of the work you put into uh, Rio Grande Foundation dot org uh, and Errors of Enchantment dot com. Uh, the latter of which uh, much of our content will be coming from today. Uh, but as as you were walking in, you 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 were talking about a story that. Uh, I wasn't even uh, familiar with yet. Uh, I was in today's Albuquerque journal. Welcome. Hey, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, Steve. And, uh, 
Yeah, with an election that we just had, there's more than ever going on in New Mexico politically. There's a lot of po- policies being discussed and addressed uh, at Albuquerque City Council and across the state right now. Uh, the thing that I wanted to start off with, because it's very uh, new information, is that uh, Virgin Galactic has another change of plans in store for us. And uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, during the Richardson administration, uh, then-Governor Richardson wanted to bring space tourism to New Mexico in the form of Virgin Galactic. He uh, and the legislature got uh, 200 and what really is these days about $225 million, but it was more than a decade ago, uh, to build a spaceport down in the desert. Uh, Upham, New Mexico is the town. It's basically a little bit north and east of Truth or Consequences. So this is a taxpayer-funded facility, the idea of which is to have manned space launches, uh, tourism launches, with Richard Branson's Virgin Galactic Company. And uh, they'd been doing that recently. Uh, You've probably heard about uh, some of the folks flying and uh, achieving weightlessness for a few minutes. Uh, The problem has been is that uh, Virgin Galactic, the main tenant at that taxpayer-financed facility, uh, it took them a while, took them more than a decade to get their launches going. And then after... uh, I think six launches successfully this year. They just announced yesterday that they uh, are going to launch a few more times on a quarterly basis in 2024, and then they will stop launching entirely by middle next year. Is that temporary or permanent? Well, so the company has been losing a lot of money and their stock price had actually been in the toilet. Like it had been up at $50 a few, uh, a year or two ago, it was down like a dollar, a dollar ten, dollar twenty per share. Uh, they just reported one point seven million in revenue for the third quarter. Uh, then they had three million dollars in revenue in the fourth quarter, but said that they had lost one hundred and five million dollars overall in the third quarter. Now, uh, those are not good numbers for any business when you're. Revenue is about $1.7 million in the third quarter, and you're losing uh, $105 million. That is that is negative uh, cash flow big time. And it means that uh, the company does need to figure something out. And you know, It's one of the things that we said at the time when Richardson was looking at this idea is we are, are getting into it. It's like building an airport before the Wright brothers flew their first flight. Uh, we are very much in the infancy of this privatized uh, space tourism industry. And New Mexico jumped right in, poorest state in the country. Yeah, let's build a taxpayer financed yeah. spaceport. Um, so, what's going and, to happen? This, this is, I mean, there's, uh, when you think, when you talk about the, the you know, early stages of this industry, uh, as a layperson, I think of, uh, uh, Virgin Galactic, like you've already mentioned, and SpaceX. Sure. This is no SpaceX. No. Uh, different model, to be sure. Uh, SpaceX and Blue Origin and those other companies, uh, they are more tied to contracts with the government, yeah. you know, for flying satellites and whatnot. Uh, Virgin Galactic 
you know, their entire model has been based on tourism. Although they they do seem to be shifting gears and maybe trying to get some of those contracts. I'm not sure how that would work. You know, you've seen maybe uh, launches that uh, Elon Musk's company has had, uh, SpaceX. You know, they have a traditional vertical takeoff rocket. They're going deep into space and launching payloads. This is more like an airplane uh, here in New Mexico, Virgin Galactic. You have a a mothership that flies up and then drops the uh, smaller craft, which then goes up further into space, theoretically. And uh, yeah, it the whole thing would be a okay if this was all Branson or the shareholders' money. But the fact is, is that New Mexico has heavily invested your and my money in this project. I, I'm glad you went back to that, Paul, because earlier you said funded with taxpayer dollar. And and I, I, I just wonder how often the listener kind of gets a glaze over their eyes and you know that that's you. Yeah. That's tax that you are the taxpayer. This is your money. And uh and you already mentioned elections, you know, we're gonna uh, cover some of that. But you know, this However, you might feel about what's going on uh, north of TRC with Virgin Galactic and and your taxpayer dollar being you know part of what uh, made that facility happen, uh, uh, you know we we often bring it up when you're here, Paul. It it's why it matters that you go and vote for the people that are representing you and making decisions in the roundhouse. Yeah, and the, uh, the I think the final kicker here from New Mexico's perspective is that. Uh, again, directly quoting from an article here, uh, company staff who work on the vehicles at Spaceport America in New Mexico will go to a new factory near Phoenix. <laughs> the company expects to complete in the second quarter of 2024 to help with the assembly of the first Delta class vehicles. This is their new class that they're hoping will enable them to launch more regularly and get uh, some profits going. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Thank you, New Mexico. There, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's your, uh, again, your tax dollars so, leaving the state. Okay, so uh, the other thing I wanted to address, uh, you know, when, when this happened uh, with with Governor Richardson back then when they were talking about it, was there any promised benefit of the spaceport to the taxpayer? Oh, absolutely. Now, a lot of people like myself believe that this was all part of Bill Richardson running for uh, president at the time and that he was trying to do some interesting and unique things to uh, burnish his reputation as a guy who gets things done. Uh, but yeah, they were touting all kinds of economic benefits. And has it, did it happen? Uh, no, the short answer is no. They will come up with various reports that try to make it look like this project has worked. But when you sit vacant, you build a facility that sits vacant in the desert for more than 10 years, practically 11 years before it's used for its intended purpose. Uh, It's all paid for by the taxpayers. Yeah. Uh, You're, you're ramping up uh, at a time and then you're falling back uh, again and never making a profit and just, you know, the idea was that this was going to be a hub of economic activity for New Mexico. And- well, you know, I drove through the neighborhood they built there, essentially, uh, in that area. Beautiful. Uh, and there was high hopes. Uh, and, you know, now you have to wonder what's going to happen there. Uh, you know, is there another industry that can come in there? Or, you know, is that going to be the next ghost town in New Mexico? Yeah. And all of this uh, hits onto the core 
kind of argument of my organization, Rio Grande Foundation, and what we believe needs to be done by New Mexico's political leadership. And it translates into real issues right now that are being discussed in Santa Fe and city council is do we elect people that they decide and pick and choose winners and losers, or do they embrace lower taxes, fewer regulations, less government spending, and allow the private sector economy to grow and entrepreneurs and businesses to grow uh, the economy and bring the state more prosperity than it's seen because we're one of the poorest states in the country, as I mentioned before. Uh, And what wealth we do have tends to flow from the oil and gas industry, uh, which we're blessed to be above that, uh, (laughs) those formations. But uh, we definitely could diversify our economy, get more jobs and industry going, and do better with those dollars that have flown to date to uh, Spaceport America or through other government uh, driven boondoggles, so to speak. Okay. And that article, again, uh, that was found in today's uh, Albuquerque it's Journal. Front page of the journal. Uh, some of the quotes I, uh, I used in that were from spacenews.com. This is relatively big international news because this is a nascent, interesting industry. A lot of people are really interested to see if we can move as a country away from NASA, which was a government-dominated paradigm in space, to private sector uh, opportunities. And some of them are pretty successful. Bezos and Musk have done quite a bit. Branson, very much jury is still out. And this is, a, uh, I think, a very interesting twist in this whole story in New Mexico. Okay, uh, any more on the SpaceX or the the Virgin nope. Galactic? Okay, uh, we're up against a break, and we've got plenty to get through today, including kind of rehashing uh, what happened after the election on Tuesday and much more. Uh, we'll revisit the EV uh, discussion. Uh, God willing, we have the time to do that. Housing in Santa Fe and, and a lot more. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back with uh, Paul Guessing, Rio Grande Foundation on ABQ Connect right after the break. Well, uh, some friends we had on the air with Jim Williams earlier in the week uh, were talking about normalizing uh, conversations in the community surrounding the uh, surrounding uh, child sexual exploitation and how to prevent it. And there's a, a, an event tonight. Now, a uh, couple things. It's a free event. If you plan to attend, you must register uh, to attend in person or online. Vulnerable no more with the fam it's uh uh presented by for the one and uh, you'll find information about this free event uh it's really designed for those ages 11 and up um it's happening at six o'clock tonight new covenant church uh that's paseo del norte between louisiana and wyoming real close to the wax and the the goodwill over there uh off of uh, paseo del norte uh, there's a website to go to, though, for registration and for information. Here it is, vulnerablenomore.org, vulnerablenomore.org. We're in the middle of a conversation uh, with uh, Rio Grande Foundation's Paul Guessing, uh, and lots to cover today. Uh, Paul, uh, one thing I neglected to do this past Tuesday uh, was to uh, actually wear my I, I, I Voted sticker. I didn't wear it. Oh, it just kind man. Of, yeah. 
I, uh, I, I handed, I gave someone else, uh, uh, but I did, I did. Did go, you vote on election day? Uh, I did vote on election day. And let me tell you this for, you know, and, and listen, uh, not, tr- not trying to play, uh, you know, um, you know, guilt anyone into making sure they're at the next one if they didn't go this time. But let me tell you this, you know, if any thoughts you might, might've had about oh, how inconvenient it was, uh, I went to, uh, I think it was cabq.org, uh, and, and, or, or gov is this, what is it? Uh, CAB, what's the city website, Paul? C-A-B-Q dot, dot gov. gov. Uh, and, you know, quickly found all the voting locations, found one near me. Uh, from the time I walked out of my, uh, not even out the door, out to outside, just left my seat at work and got back to my seat at work was maybe 30 minutes. Uh, so uh, there was a, you know, I'm, I'm, you probably have more stats than I do. I'm going to guess it was pretty low turnout. Uh, I know when I got there at about nine, nine 30, uh, when I put my ballot in the machine and there's what uh, two or three, you know, collect, you know, those machines to collect the ballots. But I was like, I think the 35th person by nine 30 right. and the polls that was after an hour and a half of, of voting. So, uh, anyway, uh, my encouragement to you, and we've said it already in this hour, how, how important it is, especially the local elections. Would you agree, Paul? Uh, maybe more so than the, the, uh, president, you know, the, uh, um, midterm or, uh, presidential. Yeah. Well, um, so just to put a few bits of information out there, 20% or thereabouts of eligible voters voted in the last election. That's obviously not great. Uh, Statistically speaking, uh, you know, your individual vote has a greater overall weight in a low turnout election. And this is probably the lowest election turnout kind of year that we would expect here in the city of Albuquerque. Las Cruces elected a mayor uh, in that city. So that boosts the overall turnout. But in the city of Albuquerque, there were some parts of the city who didn't have a school board member or a city councilor up for election. And, you know, the bonds passed overwhelmingly. So uh, as they always advertise, the bonds won't increase your taxes, but they will increase the size and scope of government broadly, and they will continue to, uh, you know, suck those tax dollars out of your pocket. If you vote them down, you would get a tax break. But that almost never seems to happen in uh, New Mexico, in the city. Uh, other results, there were several city council races, uh, school board races. Uh, on the west side, Peggy Muller-Aragon, kind of the uh, fiercest uh, supporter of reform at APS, unfortunately lost. Uh, being a reform advocate at Albuquerque Public Schools makes you a target of the unions, and the unions were able to get get out and get her. Uh, there was a three-way race and uh, Peggy uh, Muller-Aragon, unfortunately, I, I think for school reform-minded folks like myself, did lose. Uh, in terms of Albuquerque City Council, I consider it slightly a, a slight improvement in terms of the overall ideological makeup of the council. Uh, you mostly had retirements happening. Uh, Trudy Jones leaving, uh, Isaac Benton also leaving, although that's the downtown district. And that was one that wasn't going to change much. Pat Davis leaving city council. Now there is a runoff over by UNM in the Knob Hill 
area uh, between uh, the two two of the candidates that are running to replace Pat Davis. Uh, Dan Champagne uh, replaces Trudy Jones, uh, and that was uh, a pretty solid victory for Champagne. I think he's more to the conservative side than uh, Jones. And then uh, Brooke Bassan won her re-election race. So it's pretty status quo. Uh, I think it's safe to say that on a lot of issues, uh, there's five city councilors who philosophically disagree with the uh, mayor, Mayor Keller, on a lot of issues. Uh, And then there's four who are pretty much going to be in lockstep with him. So uh, they may be able to stop the mayor on a lot of things that they don't like, but they uh, generally are going to have uh, a a challenge trying to push things past the mayor because you need six votes to override the veto. So unless they can get one of the more progressive candidates to uh, pass something, they won't be able to do that. So it is basically status quo. In terms of across the country, uh, a lot of different issues. Abortion played a huge role in, I think, a lot of these races. Uh, Certainly, Ohio had a ballot measure explicitly on abortion, and that basically liberalized abortion to the tune of uh, 20-plus weeks viability of the fetus. 57% supported that. Bashir, the governor of Kentucky in a deep red state, a Democrat, won re-election. Abortion was a big part of that. Uh, Virginia, the uh, legislature, there was hopes that Youngkin could get uh, a legislature that would be more supportive of his conservative agenda. That did not happen. Um, And uh, on a bit of good news, though, uh, our friends up in Colorado, uh, you know, a blue state, but they have this Taxpayers' Bill of Rights constitutional amendment in place, which strictly limits the size of government, the growth of government. Uh, voters in a progressive blue state were given the opportunity to let the government take more money and hold on to it. And they said, heck no, uh, to the tune of over 60% uh, rejecting. It was Proposition HH. Uh, there were obviously a lot of other things discussed across the country. Right here in New Mexico, Santa Fe voters uh, overwhelmingly adopted a 3% excise tax on uh, new or uh, home sales of a million dollars. Sounds like a lot of money. A million dollars is no joke for a home. But in Santa Fe, uh, according to Redfin, the median home price is 565000 That's the current uh, median. So uh, you're, you're going to start capturing, because it's not indexed to inflation, a lot of people in Santa Fe who are going to be paying this 3% excise Theoretically, it's supposed to go for uh, housing affordability. Of course, uh, you know, it's just a transfer from one pocket to the other. Uh, it's not likely to do much for the affordability of housing in Santa Fe because you would actually have to address supply issues and really emphasize uh, the ability for people to get the housing they need. Santa Fe is uh, a very difficult place to build, and uh, it's it's not a great uh, housing market it, for that reason. So, uh, lot lots of important issues, but in uh, the in that Santa Fe issue, I mean, when when I read what what you had uh, written on in, in you know, errorsofenchantment dot com, if you go there, uh, the election uh, information the the headline was uh, from Paul was election issues tracking nationwide and in New Mexico, and when you mentioned the uh, um, uh, voting in Santa Fe uh, to you know on the proposals that target 
uh, well, like you, men you mentioned, the wealthy to fund housing construction. I'm reading directly from your article uh, for low-income residents. Santa Fe's proposal excise tax measure would result in that new 3% tax levied on home sales of more than a million dollars. And, you know, again, it's like what I what came to mind when I read that was what's the incentive to work hard for what you want and what you need uh, you know, when uh, when you do work hard and you get to a place where, you know, I mean, I, I can't afford a million dollar home, but I don't think poorly of those who can and good on them if they worked hard enough and were able to honestly earn what they needed. But then, you know, this money essentially is being taken to uh, um, make affordable housing uh, for those who can't afford a million dollar home. I mean, what's the incentive to just get out and work hard and, and uh, go out and buy a It's house? a great question. And uh, obviously a million dollars is a lot of money uh, taxing people uh, on top of everything else that they are taxed to pay for the basic government services that they uh, have up in Santa Fe. Uh, there's a lot of taxes paid by folks already. This 3%, uh, it strikes me as too little uh, money. You're, you're not going to be able to move the needle on opening up Santa Fe's housing market to uh, the moderate to low income uh, folks in Santa Fe. And by pumping money into so-called affordable housing, what you're going to do is you're going to create more price spikes for those very people. Because once you uh, start pumping money into those uh, houses at the lower end of the uh, of the scale in terms of prices in Santa Fe, you're going to increase demand unless you are able to increase the supply. I know this is very economics 101 uh, of me to talk about, but what you really have in Santa Fe is the supply and demand issue. Now, there are places down in the, the plaza and very uh, beautiful parts of Santa Fe, and I get it that they are uh, very expensive, but Santa Fe's a, a reasonably decent-sized town, and there are places they can build, but you, anytime you get new housing proposed in Santa Fe, the NIMBY crowd, not in my backyard, comes out of the woodwork and says, don't build here, don't build there, and uh, that is why you have the fundamental problems. That's the main reason why you have the housing shortage, you have the price spikes, uh, certainly lumber, certainly taxes, labor shortage, inflation, all of those are uh, factors as well. All right, well, and I encourage you to go to the website, uh, errorsofenchantment.com. Uh, Paul Guessing in studio with us from the Rio Grande Foundation. Uh, that website is uh, riograndefoundation.org. Uh, we're going to uh, come back after the break and uh, talk about uh, more of uh, what Paul's provided uh, and left you uh, to go read at the website at erasmenchantment.com. We'll get to it right after the break. Thanks for listening to ABQ Connect. Thanks for joining us on ABQ Connect. Hey, as we head into the weekend, put this one on your radar, okay? It's the Love Life Prayer Walk. Uh, it's happening at Ernie Taylor Park. Now, that's not one of those Parks in Albuquerque, people just throw out the name. They know exactly where it is. Let me help you get there, okay? It's in the area of, of Montgomery and Eubank, and you, you can go on whatever platform you use to find where you're going. If you do a search for Ernie Taylor Park 
Albuquerque. You'll find it there, northeast of Montgomery and Eubank. Uh, but this Saturday, the Love Life Prayer Walk is happening at 9 a.m. Come on out and join actually thousands of people around the nation uh, gathering in various cities to celebrate life during uh, the prayer walk. And uh, we had uh, Ethel Mahargi in studio with us, uh, who's uh, the local representative for Love Life. Uh, earlier this week, you can go back in and listen to our conversation. But families are welcome, whether you know, rain or shine, it's going to happen, okay? They ask that you don't bring pets. Obviously, service animals are welcome. Uh, and there's no restrooms there so uh, uh, on, on site there. So just be aware. Uh, they do encourage you at the same time to bring water uh, to stay hydrated, and they'll have water there as well. If you want details about the Love Life Prayer Walk at Ernie Taylor Park in Albuquerque this Saturday at 9 a.m., go to the website at lovelife.org slash celebrate life. We're in studio with Paul Guessing from the Rio Grande Foundation and uh, a lot of stories uh, um, that uh, Paul has provided for us uh, in the past several days. Uh, and, uh, well, uh, plenty if you want to dig and go go back. Uh, but uh, a lot of great content at errorsofenchantment.com. Uh, Paul, you wrote a, a story recently. Uh, back. To, this one's dated on the 3rd. Uh, and, uh, it talks about your case you filed against the, uh, Albuquerque city council, uh, about the planned parenthood donation. Uh, and that uh, case is, is moving forward. But for those not familiar with the case, uh, you know, maybe, um, rewind a little bit, uh, and let them know, you know, why you decided to do that and, and where, where it's gone. Yeah. Uh, this has been in the works for a while and I want to make it clear that Rio Grande foundation is, uh, definitely oriented towards Christian principles, but we're not an explicitly anti-abortion organization. Our lawsuit is focusing on uh, a specific aspect of what city council did, uh, which was done in the wake of the leak of the Dobbs decision. That's of course the decision that overturned Roe v. Wade and, gave states the ability to determine abortion policy. Uh, city councilor, again, elections matter, uh, Tammy Feeblecorn uh, decided uh, and got enough counselors to go along with her at the time and said, uh, I think we should, as a council, donate, quote unquote, $250,000 of our tax money to Planned Parenthood. That'll buy, like half an average home in Santa Fe. Uh, you got it. Yeah, it's not a lot of money, but it is the principle that I think needs to be battled back against. Yeah, right, exactly. And New Mexico has something called the anti-donation clause. You would think this would be a open and shut case, as they say, uh, because literally uh, that's what they did is donated $250,000 to Planned Parenthood, which is not just a private organization. It's also a private very politically oriented organization. I don't need to tell you what Planned Parenthood does, but uh, needless to say, they're very much of the political left. Uh, but Rio Grande Foundation could not, should not, and would not accept a $250,000 donation either. So uh, we got our friends at the Liberty Justice Center to help us file a lawsuit. And uh, recently, uh, the judge here in Bernalillo County denied the Planned Parenthood attorneys a motion to dismiss. 
you know, this is, I know it's, it's like watching paint dry, the legal process, but basically uh, somebody brings a lawsuit. They say, we believe we have reason to uh, be concerned about this. We have standing and the judge has to make their decisions. And uh, basically we have standing another organization involved on our side. CareNet Pregnancy Center was deemed not to have standing. The good news is that means the case continues to go forward. And not only that, but the judge believes that it has enough merit to really, uh, you know, merit a decision by that judge uh, personally. You know, and just to be clear, uh, I found this quote and uh, it's just a description of the anti-donation clause. It comes about, it's in the Constitution of the state of New Mexico. It's there because during the 1890s and certain time frames in our past, the states of the West were encouraging railroads to come through and they were essentially giving them land and money to build those railroad networks. And we can argue the merits of that, but it wound up in New Mexico's constitution that that was frowned upon. It was illegal and unconstitutional and something that shouldn't be done. Uh, so this is the, uh, quote, the state's Anti-donation clause prevents governmental agencies from city councils and school districts to the state legislature from giving funding to individuals or private entities. That is a very concise explanation of what the anti-donation clause means. Planned Parenthood should not be receiving donations from city council, the legislature, or other entities. And that's what our lawsuit's all about. And yet they did. And they did, yeah. We hope that that will be clawed back and that taxpayers will get that money back. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, let's let's move on. Uh, you and I more than once, Paul, have addressed <laughs> the EV issue, and uh, you've uh, revisited it uh, on errors of enchantment. Not only revisited it, but revisited uh, past uh, stories uh, that that have been posted. Well, we're doing this because. Next week, and if there's something that I want people to take action on, it is this. Uh, the Governor's Environmental Improvement Board is meeting next week to discuss whether to impose a very radical uh, re regulation on New Mexicans that would force the sale of cars in New Mexico by the year 2027, model year 2027. So we're talking really summer of 2026, less than three years away, to be 43% electric vehicles. So cars sold in New Mexico within three years to be 43% electric. Currently, electric vehicles sold in New Mexico account for about 3% of the vehicles sold. Uh, that is set to rise to 7% due to a previously passed regulation. Less than 1% of vehicles on the road are electric vehicles. And, and we have set up a campaign. You can go and reach out to the Environmental Improvement Board called KeepYourCarsNM.com. KeepYourCarsNM.com. Do it ASAP because we need as many messages to go to this body as possible, letting them know that New Mexicans do not want to uh, be forced to buy vehicles that do not make sense for them. Uh, you can bet that the governor will be coming in uh, in the next session with lots of subsidies to try to uh, buy off our support for electric vehicles. 
but the market's just not there. And quite frankly, the number of vehicles required by California, New Mexico, and other states to accomplish this goal, it's simply physically and statistically impossible. So um, we've been just compiling various stories. There's almost every day multiple stories in various news websites about electric vehicles and the issues that they face. So here's just a few. EV market could become the next big big flop, according to one economist. EVs create profit potholes for major U.S. automakers, GM and Ford. So you may wonder. They're really revisiting uh, uh, what, what, you know, what, what they've done uh, with this. Right. Yeah. The Japanese companies, Toyota and Honda have been much more reluctant to go down the path of EVs. You know, they're famously uh, involved in hybrids, which are also more environmentally friendly because they combine batteries and gas power to really enhance miles per gallon. Also, unsubsidies uh, unsubsidized the hybrids are evs however seem to require massive government subsidies not just for the vehicles themselves but uh the automakers uh for example ford said their electric vehicle unit posted a quarterly loss so quarter of the year 1.33 billion dollars that means they have to find revenue somewhere else so they're cross subsidizing with gas powered vehicles to make up for that big loss. Uh, that's an acceleration yeah. after a loss of $1.08 billion in the prior quarter. So no more rebates on your F-150. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're going to see price increases, uh, not just now, but for the foreseeable future on gas-powered vehicles as they have to cross-subsidize those uh, EVs. Uh, GM saw its quarterly profit reduced by $1.5 billion because of higher costs and the impact of selling mm. more EVs. Uh, thus, automakers are pumping the brakes on the EV transition. These are all mainstream media sources. You can find links to them at errorsofenchantment.com. Panasonic, the battery company, cuts outlook on EV demand and battery production, citing 15% slower EV battery demand. Uh, they they decided to cut back. So those are a few recent stories. The chairman of Toyota uh basically came out and said, I told you so. He was pushed out as CEO a few years ago because he wasn't super excited about the EV so-called revolution. Uh, All of these EVs are being pushed on us, mandated by the governor, or at least attempting to mandate if the EIB passes this EV mandate at the governor's behest. And uh, then they're subsidizing the charging stations, which are up to a thirty forty thousand dollar a pop kind of operation uh to put those in i saw a video on the internet last night of a charging center in california that was at midnight there was a big line of people trying to charge their cars because there's not enough charging stations even in california imagine trying to do that Uh, my wife yesterday drove out to indian country up to the four corners to chin lee and those kinds of places she couldn't do that drive in an electric vehicle today. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of places in New Mexico and across the country that just are not viable uh, when it comes to electric vehicle technology. Uh, it's not ready for prime time, but our governor and a lot of politicians want to use subsidies and mandates to force us 
to use them. Yeah, you know, uh, let me kind of mirror what I'm hearing from the Rio Grande Foundation as far as EVs. Uh, not necessarily, Paul, anti-EV. No. It, it seems more anti-mandate uh, and... Uh, uh, at least, at least it's the, you know, mandating, uh, you know, let us decide, uh, what, what we spend our money on. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, you know, we often mention, uh, Rio Grande foundation.org and errors of enchantment.com great resources for information. Uh, but wow, did you touch a nerve, uh, uh, on Facebook? I was looking you know, you can find errors of enchantment on Facebook as well. And it's, it's interesting to read through the comments on uh stories like this one where you know it's 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 polarizing yeah well um if you want to summarize what the rio grande foundation stands for it's really uh you know you hear the phrase let the market decide well who is the market the market is consumers people using their own hard-earned money to buy a given product and by free market that means something that's devoid of subsidies and mandates to the greatest extent possible. We can't always be 100% free of those subsidies and mandates, but generally speaking, if you're able to buy something in the store, uh, the the subsidy component or the mandate of that is is rather limited. And uh, we want individuals, the consumers, the market to decide because that is the most efficient way to allocate resources to tell if a product is in high demand or low demand. And unfortunately, uh, EVs at this point are not only in low demand, uh, but they are so popular among the political class, the elected officials like our governor, that they feel the need and have the ability to pour tax dollars into them and mandates into them. And that's going to ultimately result in lower standard of living, people buying inferior products that they don't really want because the governor is pushing them to do so. Now, if you want to find out more about those stories questioning the viability of EVs, uh, those stories are coming fast and furious. Uh, Paul's posted it at errorsofenchantment.com. Uh, right in the middle, or uh, not in the middle, we're getting to the last segment here of our conversation with Paul Guessing from the Rio Grande Foundation. A couple more stories to touch on. We'll get to those after the break on abq connect thanks for joining us on abq connect hey did you hear chris tomlin is coming to albuquerque it'll be a chris tomlin concert calvary church in albuquerque osuna west of jefferson on friday december 15th 7 p.m if you want the details about that go to calvary nm.church uh, paul guessing is in studio with us from the rio grande foundation rio grande foundation.org and errors of enchantment.com uh, you write about in errors of enchantment.com, um, Paul, uh, kind of tongue in cheek here that our president came to celebrate my birthday this year in Albuquerque <laughs> and, uh, it was kind of an expensive celebration. Yeah. And this is not to say that, uh, we shouldn't, uh, cover the cost of security for presidential visits or even presidential campaign visits, but, uh, Rio Grande Foundation did a public records request in the wake of the August 8th visit by President Biden. And we found that uh, total costs to the city came to $80,231.98. That is uh, fine. And it's just notable that when Trump visited on a campaign stop in 2021, the Keller administration 
invoiced Trump and his campaign for $211,175.94. And uh, while they knew that they were never going to get paid, uh, he claimed, oh, you know, we would do it for anyone else. So he's no different. Uh, we know, you know, and and Keller made a very big deal out of this at the time. Uh, look, we want presidential candidates and presidents to visit our state. Uh, yes, it is a modest burden on the taxpayers of the the city to provide security for them. Uh, Trump, I'm sure, was higher partially because he spent the night uh, during that visit uh, before he went out to Rio Rancho to do a, a big rally. So, you know, just be consistent. That's all. If yeah. you want to put a policy in place that campaigns get uh, to pay and that, you know, president, sitting president gets to uh, not pay, that's fine. But, you know, presidents get a lot of subsidies, both parties. They get to fly around in Air Force One uh, when they're an incumbent. They get to do campaigns even outside of the campaign season. It is a very direct benefit to them. So uh, if you want to add to that, that's your call. But yeah, uh, have a policy. Feel free, but um, don't complain about it to the hills when uh, the guy that you like or don't like is uh, is coming to town. Stop and, the duplicitousness. Yeah, that's it. That's all we care about. <laughs> uh, and and we care about uh, uh, what kind of jobs are being you know kind of just made up by our government. Uh, an ar- another article you posted was kind of. I mean, it's it's. Uh, sad and funny at the same time. Uh, most ridiculous government job in New Mexico. What is it, Paul? Uh, well, it is the Just Transition Advisor. Uh, long story short, due to government policies pushed by this administration, Michelle Lujan Grisham and legislature in 2019, a coal power plant uh, was shuttered in San Juan County, Four Corners. Uh, there were dollars set aside by PM, the owner of that plant, to allegedly, theoretically assist with this uh, transition away from coal. And you, we can have a robust debate over uh, whether to transition from coal and how that looks. Uh, but the, the real tipping of the hand is so this is a just transition advisor. Now, not a transition advisor. This is the just transition invader operating. And that's not just like simply. Right. It's just like legally correct according to someone. Yeah. And you uh, you really know that they're jumping the shark, so to speak, when you find out in a few paragraphs that they operate within the Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Office, a.k.a. Jedi Office, Star Wars fans, of New Mexico's Economic Development Department, uh, you know what they're what they're doing in a sense here is taking money set aside by P and M, uh, where they were paying taxes and paying uh, to employ people to maintain our electrical grids reliability through a coal fired power plant, uh, and then that closes. So now, I think if you if you asked me what you do with this pot of money, you probably should try some. Uh, job training and uh, additional academic work for people to try to prepare for jobs that are available. Uh, but all the interest groups get around the table and then they take the money over and uh, you get these Jedi officers that then uh, 
play their role in in all of this. And look, uh, a lot of the people who lost their jobs are Navajo. They're tribal. Uh, that's that's something that we should be concerned about. But unless you come along with good jobs for those people that they can actually do, uh, you can spend all the money you want and uh, and not get anywhere. So this is, it's just bad policy on top of bad policy. And I thought hiring a Jedi, uh, so to speak, uh, was a poor use of our tax dollars. Yeah. And the other thing that concerned me reading the article, uh, it said uh, the release, uh, it went on to say, uh, operating within the justice, yeah, what, what you were already talking about, Justice, Equity, uh, Diversity, and Inclusion Office of the Jedi Office. Uh, the individual will help ensure marginalized communities yes, yes. are consulted and prioritized throughout uh, the trans. You know, def- who's defining marginalized? Hey, you want to find out more about these stories, go to errorsofenchantment.com, go to Rio Grande Foundation. Org and join us here on ABQ Connect and look for past broadcasts with Paul as well. Paul, looking forward to catching up with you again next month. Yeah, thanks, Steve. All right. Uh, and have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, you too. Stay with us uh, tomorrow's ABQ Connect. Of course, your Heritage Foundation update uh, and more, uh, including a Friday financial update. Thanks for listening to ABQ Connect.